I'm from Southside, Southside of the moon. She from NY, NY, see you soon. I'm from Southside, Southside of the moon. She in LA for a time. Reach out when I fly. Told her, hold up, I'ma be there in a minute. I'm like, hold up, I'ma be there in a minute. I'm like, hold up, I'ma be there in a minute. Got the spaceship finished. I'ma be there in a minute. I'm from 300. She from 106 and Park, BT Uncut. I used to see her in the dark. She had gold chains, bangle earrings, and some gold rings. Could've killed me softly, but she let her soul sing. Unplugged, I showed it's always better with a sword. 808s, now he is showing out when I showing up. I got you, baby, cause you'll be there when we in the club. Black on, but you boo, I swear I did it just for us. I'm from Southside. Southside of the moon, she from NY, NY, see you soon. I'm from Southside, Southside of the moon, she in LA for a time. Reach out when I fly, I told her, hold up, I'ma be there. All right, Quentin, we are back, and this week we are the new big six and three quarters. How you doing tonight, Quentin? Um, I'm good. I'm in a much better mood than I was yesterday. Um, wanted to punt a child, and I didn't. And I feel like that was uh, very big of me to not do that. But congratulations, we're all very proud of you. But but I'm, but I'm here and have not punted a child, so I'm uh, glad to be here. <laughs> not yet, not yet. Um, hopefully we'll make it pretty easy. Um, you know. Obviously, don't want to bring any children near you while they're in danger of being punted. Another place you may not want to bring your children is backstage to a progress show. Uh, Quentin, oh, what the fuck was this? Uh, I didn't even know. Saw a um, friend of the podcast, future, hopefully future guest, Eamon, uh, posting about this one and just kind of just chimed in to add in because all I saw was talking about Osprey, right? Just whatever and just add it in like yeah like it's crazy that people act like oh he's a good guy he's just annoying on the internet with the track record that he has we've talked about it plenty um but uh how about you feel free to to give the news notes and whatever else you got going on here um about uh about this one essentially if we all think back to 2020 when speaking out was spreading all across the wrestling uh, wrestling world and really lighting uh lighting a fire to that horrid um horrid environment that was around for European wrestling that some that will Osprey and some of his transgressions and wrongdoings got mentioned uh particularly his um his blackballing of uh of, Poly- of, Poly- of Pollyanna due to uh her um revealing her tr- revealing her truth about being a a trigger warning for 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 obvious for obvious reasons about her getting into speaking out and what that alludes to but for Pollyanna speaking uh, speaking out about her sexual assault at the hands of Will's friend Scotty Wainwright and that is not where that left off because the third in Swords of Essex, Paul Robinson, was also mentioned as part of the grooming of a teenage fan that was going on at IPW shows at some point in the two th- of the some point in the 2010s. Uh, he wasn't the only one. 
that have been linked to um, encounters with this child. I believe it was Marty Skrull, um, the promoter of IPW, Adler, whatever his name is. Um, and Paul Robinson admitted on video, crying in his car, to these things. He admitted to them. Like, these things happen. He admitted to this stuff. Um, and progress, as a few other companies were doing at the time, were trying to do make goods and uh, trying to make their shows safer or whatever. And like, says, oh, we're going to do this. And we're going to have a team here that decide that, that looks into wrestlers past and things like that. And we're going to make these shows safer or more comfortable for our workers, for our audience or whatever else. And then immediately they brought Paul Robinson back. Do you remember that? Do you remember that, Sam? I do, I do, and they were they kind of tried to say like, oh, well, he's b- backstage or whatever. He's not, he's not going to be like a talent or something like that. Uh huh. Like that so, made a difference. Do you remember that? Yes, they decided to bring Paul Robinson back, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" I thought that you guys were trying to change things. So that becomes a thing. You don't really hear much about Paul Robinson being on progress shows much after that, and now a few years later. It gets announced over the weekend that Progress and TNT Wrestling, I guess, have done an investigation and that they've concluded that Paul Robinson can come back and work for their promotions. And it just so conveniently happens to go along with the fact that Will Ospreay will be back and working Super Strong Style 16. Um, Yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't really know what to say there other than obviously it's fucking gross. It's gross on a few different levels. Um obviously like we talked about Will Ospreay, you alluded to it there, so everyone likes to paint him as this aloof, non like not like non malicious guy. But I mean he like he's he said he pretty much laid out a condition that if I'm coming back, Paul Robinson has to come back. And was making life hell for a woman that was sexually assaulted. Like, these are things that have happened. These are things that he's done, that he continues to do. These are aggressions on his part that he continues to act out. And I don't, maybe, I don't know, maybe, I don't know if people still do it, but it's, I don't know how long we're going to just keep letting him do this stuff as if he's like fucking, like, is he like 30, 31 now? Uh yeah, like 20, he like, is. He's thirty. Like that's like, he's a grown fucking man, guys. Like he's yeah. a grown adult man. He's not he's not twenty two anymore. I don't I don't know if it's a thing because we watched Osprey quote unquote grow up in front of us that we were like still kind of like um infant, infantilize him, but he's a fucking grown man. He's a grown adult man that continues to do this <laughs> shit and. Yeah. Here in the same fear for fucking progress, like how gross and desperate are you to have some sort of ticket sales or buzz around your company that you're willing to say you did an investigation? Paul Robinson said it on fucking camera, admitted to it, said it on camera. There, what more do you need there? What fucking what changes anything that he said? Nothing changes that. That happened. All you're hoping is that people have amnesia or to just stop caring anymore about these things. 
There's, there's nothing that changed because of an investigation. None, none of that story and what he admitted to changes. Yeah, no, I mean, go I ahead. I just, I just don't get it. And it's like, it's not like I think that progress is fucking above doing shit like this. They like use like transformative and restorative practice, like, you know, practice language in order to like, just to, in, in order to like justify trying to book certain people. And like, you didn't even do the fucking work in order to do this. Like, you, like yeah. we, we, we like you again. We remember this. This is something that we got mad about years ago. It's like you are adopting transformative and restorative language and making it seem as if you're like really trying to make these changes, but you're not doing anything. You're not actually doing anything. You're it's fucking empty. It's hollow. You're not saying or doing shit. And here we are, a few years later, where they I guess stopped caring about saving face. Whether it's like because of the new management or whoever else, that now Will Ospreay's back. Paul Robinson was investigated, and now he couldn't come back. And it's like, all the fucking book Will Ospreay? And I get it. Will Ospreay's <laughs> one of the biggest wrestling stars in the world. I get it. So, like, I, but whatever. But I just... I, I, don't, I don't know, man. It's not even really a ton that you can say there, because obviously we agree it's fucking gross and weird and dismissive of everything that happened back then. And just not worth any of this. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, man, this European wrestling continues to be accessible. It's, it's just, it's, it's so pointless too. Like why even say that you did any investigation or anything? Like, again, like nobody who cares is going to believe you. And anybody who doesn't care, like they're they don't want to they don't they don't care about the investigation, right? So like, just don't even say anything about an investigation. Like you said, just using the the hollowness of the language to act like you're doing something. But like everyone sees all like completely through it at this point. It's this company has been fucking terrible about this, and I think that they maybe they think that they've done enough to like the management shift and all this stuff, and that they can just kind of start over and like. That's another part of it that I just don't understand. Why why did anyone buy this fucking brand? Like really, I they should have just let it go. Let it be gone. Like if someone really wanted to start a wrestling company, they should have just started a different company at this point. It's ridiculous that they've even that anyone even kept this thing going. And I tried to watch the most recent show. <laughs> I don't know. It's so funny because I completely forgot about this news and I just I was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to throw it on. I'm going to try to watch it. It's just like, uh, I mean, people say like, oh, it's a shell of the former self. I mean, it doesn't even resemble the old progress really in any way. There's like absolutely no point in even saying that this is progress. <laughs> this is progress um, at this point. Just like should just call it something else. And the fact that they have to co-promote a show with TNT just also shows where wrestling is at. TNT is kind of, I mean... I would say it's like the GCW of England, but like, I mean, kind of is just because of the size. But um, if you really look at it, it's more like the ICW of England or something. You know, it's like at that level kind of. uh, And that's what they have to piggyback off of, because that's like kind of what's drawing on the indie wrestling in the scene in the UK. Same in in the UK as here, where like deathmatch adjacent stuff is what's what works. But yeah, I mean, I watched this show and it was fucking grim, man. I mean, just. I mean, terrible, terrible stuff. Um, 
They have a <laughs> there's another wrestler named Rio that really threw me off because I saw it said Rio on the fucking card and it's a different a different Rio than uh than the one that's in AEW and like change your name there. Dan Maloney looks good. Have you seen him? He's supposed to be doing a uh, New Japan, so good for him. Hopefully, get away from this. Even though he's obviously been shown to be completely full of shit and probably not a good guy either. But whatever, I like watching him wrestle. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, like this uh, this stuff is just fucking brutal. And like again, just let it go. Like you're not getting anything from being progress and running chapter 152 uh, for the love of progress. Ah, everyone. But we have to do a joint show with this fucking scuzzy deathmatch promotion to be able to like do a big show for all in weekend. Cause that's part of it too. They're running, they're running a show on all in weekend joint promoter mm-hmm. with TNT. Um, and we got to bring in, like you said, Will Ospreay. Cause that's maybe our only chance of drawing a house at all, which is also sad. Cause I mean, I don't even know if that's going to work, really. Like, if you're in the UK and you want to see Will Ospreay and you've been able to see him pretty much as much as you want at RevPro, is do you really want to go to Progress to see Osprey? Yeah, like what? Well, like, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm re- like I'm really looking forward to the fucking Will Osprey Spike Trevay match. I'm really, I'm really, yeah, I'm really right? looking like, forward to. Well, Osprey and Car and Car in the Water. Like, give me a fucking break. No. Yeah, you like, got nothing that you can see in progress from Will Osprey that you couldn't have already seen in Rev Pro. And you're probably not gonna get the rest of like United Empire and get like New Japan guys really on, on the show. Cause I don't think New Japan's pretty close in their partnership with Rev Pro. They just got back uh you know, someone that they sent on excursion to the UK who primarily wrestled in Yoda Suji with Rev Pro and they pushed him instantly into a title match. Like, I think they're pretty happy with with their partnership with Rev Pro. I don't really think that they're going to, like, fuck them over and let their guys wrestle on progress shows. Obviously, Osprey has a special deal because he has probably has a carve out in what he can do in, in the in England compared to other guys, you know? And I just, I don't know, again, I'm not surprised. I guess it's just like, what are they, when will they learn from these fucking press releases? When, when, when will they, yeah, when, right. will, when, when will they learn from these statements? How many times, how many times do they have to get dunked on for a statement before they're like, you know what? We're not really good at these things. So let's just do the bad thing and take whatever comes with it, take, and take whatever comes with it. Because like, whenever you guys do any of this, you don't say anything meaningful and you just make it worse. Because you guys, who, who no matter who it is, there, no matter if it's new ownership, the fucking um, stat like you know, new uh, uh, committee to ensure fan and wrestler safety, or there's new, now the new ownership, like none of you can get it right. None of you, not. Glenn Joseph, not fucking the OJMO when he was there and then got booted. Not, not any of you guys can seem to get this right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really. Just let it go. Just let it go. Again, just be a wrestling company. But I mean, I, I'll go back to it again. Just call it something else. Even just keep running the shows. Do everything else the same. Call it a different name. Who fucking cares? And just run wrestling shows and nobody... No one will say a fucking word. You can you could bring back Travis Banks like they probably want to. You can you know what I mean? You can bring back Marty Scroll at this point. Like just fuck it. Like 
Call yourself something else. Don't care. Just be XPW UK and do whatever you want. Okay. Oh, you, you can you can pause the recording real quick, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you pause it real quick? All right. Yeah, I, 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 we had to take a quick break there just to talk about how cool we think all of you guys are, but we didn't want to uh, make you blush or anything. Um, so, yeah, we are. We're back, Quentin. Um I mean, I think that that's enough. We talked about progress enough at this point in general over the years. And then also this specific one, um, especially because what I watched like part of one of their shows recently, and that's probably the most progress either of us have watched in years. Um, I don't know. Have you tried to watch any lately? Um, I think I was trying last year because I saw I was like, oh, like Warren Banks is the name that people are mentioning. Let me go watch Warren Banks matches. I was like, oh, he's not. He's not very good. No. So I was like, okay, um, never mind. Yeah, Ricky Knight Jr. He's got, he's kind of got that same thing, like, um, like all the like Roman Reigns and the Usos, all the 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 Anawahi guys have, where like you can see, you can tell that like at some point those genes are gonna kick in and he's just it's gonna fall apart, but he's not quite <laughs> there yet. It's already coming for him though. Um, he like his 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 tights are getting bigger and bigger. Um. But uh, but solid worker, you know, him and man like uh, D Reese um, had a really solid match uh, that I would I would say would like, well, yeah, like I said, I think I even said like this would be better than like most anything that would be on like a GCW show. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's not much to watch. I would not recommend it. Um, did you check out any of the DPW Gato move stuff uh, that came out? It came out relatively recently. No, I did. I did not. I didn't. I did not get a chance to check that out. Was there anything worth watching? Uh, Violence is Forever versus uh, Calamari Drunken Kings. Um, I didn't watch. I only watched the night one. Um, so I can't say that was like the only thing that stood out to me. Uh, from there that I really enjoyed. Uh, I'll check out the night two, but there's still. It's it's interesting because looking at it, it's like. It's really just a Gato Move show with Violence is Forever on it. And then they've got uh, Emma Sankara with having the DPW women's title on the shows. But really, like, she doesn't feel like an import to, to you know what I mean, to to Japan. So it doesn't really stand out in that regard. So otherwise, it's mostly just a Gato Move show. So if you're not watching Gato Move in general, why would you go out of your way to check this out? But Violence is Forever. I mean, I think I tweeted it, but like at the pace that they're cutting like they could be wrestler of the year if i did it right now bonds forever would be my my wrestler of the year for for this year so far i mean what they're doing is fantastic dom and takanashi i would have never i don't know it wouldn't have crossed my mind but them rolling on the mat and their charisma and interactions with each other were fantastic um Brooks obviously has always been a great tag worker and does really well in these settings him and kevin ku had some nice interactions here and there but yeah the main the main takeaway was Dom and Takanashi, just how good they were together. Takanashi did some fucking sick ass spots and cool things throughout the match that I thought were really good. Like, yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, really, really cool tag match. And again, just continues this uh, violence is forever year. Like after a couple of years of kind of being off and oh, maybe Kevin Koo actually as a singles is a big deal and all the great matches he was having. And obviously Dom was out a little bit, not, you know, not in the best of health, but they're back in full force this year and really making a run for it. I mean, Jesus Christ, with this and what they've been doing so far already, like, God damn, they are good. Um, so, yeah, that would be about it. Um, King of DDT, maybe we'll cover it more later. 
I don't know but if you've yeah, seen yeah. anything yet. Yeah, I think we could we we, we could revisit that next week. But yeah, cover yeah, some stuff we, there. But do that. go ahead. Yeah, Higuchi is has something to prove. I think after his title reign, he's back and he's wanting to show that he could still be the man. And it's been fucking sick. Um, but uh, I guess the main event, the main thing we were going to talk about here tonight is. Uh, well, well, oh, do you have say, something else? Yeah, I was going to say. Um, no, I didn't watch any of the show, but like. Like it's it's really cool that WWE did like a big major show in Puerto Rico. Like that was really cool. Like I liked like I liked seeing that. Sure, it sounds like it had some cool stuff on it. Uh, and yeah, I'm with you. But I just, you know, does any of that stuff hold up? And it just sucks that it's so much of it feels like it's like you know pandering to the the local audience. It's it's neat and it's cool, but it's like you know someone like Damian Priest having a good match like and people talking about that oh you know he should get he should get pushed coming out of this for how good of a job he did with Bad Bunny or whatever and it's like he's not going to though uh, and the uh, LWO yeah. being the top merchandise seller and it's like okay guys like this group has been ready all everyone involved in this LWO thing has been ready to be a top act for a while now are you going to actually pull the trigger we'll see yeah, like, what are we doing no yeah. no no definitely it just i think it was more interesting to me to like, because I'm watching him, like, man, like, I'm fairly sure, like, Bad Bunny's like the biggest musician in the world currently. Yeah. And it was just like watching that and seeing the reaction to everything, like his entrance to when he wins and things like that. I'm like, man, how fucking funny is it that after like so long of like outdated pop culture references or like bringing in celebrities that weren't relevant anymore or past or past, or past their peak, you get Bad Bunny. And he like so genuinely loves doing this, and wants to do this, that you get the biggest star in the world on your yeah. product, like on a on a on a on a on a on a, on a semi frequent basis. Like, yeah, I know that's kind of nuts. That, that's kind of nuts, and he's good. Like, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking crazy, and it's funny because uh, I was I listened to the the Filthy Tom. That's like one of the only uh, F4W podcasts that I actually like listening to. Um, and they he they kind of brought that up and it was like, oh, is is Bad Bunny like the biggest celebrity to ever be in wrestling? Like, you know, fame wise. And it's like kind of yes. And they were trying to argue no, and they were like using kind of outdated like models, you know what I mean? To say like and especially like referencing basically like American centric celebrities and saying everybody like your grandma and all this would know who they are. And it's like, yeah, but Bad Bunny is a much bigger star internationally. Like Bad Bunny, like you said, might be the most famous musician in the entire world. And it's not just in America. Like, you know, it's all over South America. Um, It's, you know, all the Latino and Spanish speaking companies. It's also in Europe. And then like he's very popular in in Asia and Japan and stuff, too. Like. He's insanely popular everywhere. Like he's not. He 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 was on tour, like his whole tour. Like I knew so many people that went to Bad Bunny shows. Like everywhere he went, D.C., Houston, Dallas, anywhere in California, he was selling out. Everywhere he yeah. went in America. So like, yeah, he's one. He's probably the biggest star in the world right now, currently. Right. Yeah, he's. De- I I think it's. You know, celebrity is different now than it used to be, but I still think that you could argue he's the biggest celebrity in the world, which would default make him the biggest celebrity that's ever been in wrestling because there's not really another case of someone being this big of a star and being in wrestling. I said like Mike Tyson and 
and Mr. T. And I'm kind of like, Mike Tyson, I guess I can maybe see. Mr. T, I think, is iconic. I think people would know who he was if they saw him. But I don't think he was as famous internationally as Bad Bunny is now. You know what I mean? Because, um, yeah, Bad Bunny is gigantic. Headlined Coachella. I think he was also like on Saturday Night Live or something, and he's fucking wrestling for WWE all at the same time. Yeah, it does, uh, it does, it does move, does movies, sells sells the most tickets. His his album was like his album charted for the entire year, basically. Jesus like, Christ, his album charted <laughs> yeah. for like the entire year, like really high. It was like top ten or some shit for the entire year. Right. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, yeah, he might just be <laughs> the biggest, yeah. the biggest entertainer to ever be in wrestling period right it's yeah it's nuts it's really nuts to think about but Um, but it's like after years of them not knowing how to do anything like yeah right they like they like land on that again oh context from mike tyson by the way um mike tyson when when mike tyson went and did wwe that was 96 or 97 97 98 uh i think it was 98 98 okay cool um That's after he was in prison for three years for uh, for, for, being <laughs> yeah. conv- for being convicted of rape, and that is also a year after him fighting Amanda Holyfield's year. So, yes. so he was not champion. Yeah, no. So he was already disgraced. Yeah, it might. J- so you could say from any publicity, good publicity, I guess. But sure, it'd be a wild stretch to say Mike Tyson in 1998. Is anywhere close to the kind of star that Bad Bunny is right now? Yeah, I mean, he was very famous at the height of his power. He's very well known, but yeah, he was on the back end at that point. Because at even after when he bit Holyfield, that was kind of I think that was the when his crest. After that, it was all downhill. I always remember like he was out of the public eye. People didn't see him as much. All that stuff. So, so yeah, he just he was not as big of a star at the time. You could say people remember him or knew who he was, but he was not. Again, popularity wise, he was more disgraced. Like people are not necessarily as like, I definitely want to tune in to see him at the time if they're like have kind of negative feelings towards him. And that was definitely true that they did. And it sucks because, you know, I don't know. Is this even worth getting into? I remember at the time kind of like, you know, people trying to spin it somewhat like, oh, that it was like a racial thing. But it was like, unfortunately, like Tyson was a fucking bad dude. Like you just mentioned convicted of rape and literally bit someone in a fight it was like a totally different situation like it was not but you know whatever (laughs) that is not the point of even talking about this really um but yeah he just was not uh at the same level of of popularity the the point is currently like WWE currently has the biggest entertainer in the world wrestling for them like currently not someone right. that at one point was this big like but currently the biggest artist in the world right and like makes this entire puerto rico thing really like i mean this puerto rico show a lot of it has to do with having bad bunny like i mean that made the show as big as it was like fucking he- i mean it would have been big either way but it it feels even more like a big deal and they really should run with it like i said the lwo thing has gotten over huge people are like they're saying that they keep being like in the top merch sellers it's crazy to think because dominic dominic kind of taking over judgment day and having damian priest in the group and their whole vibe almost like like turns that into a latino thing your two biggest stables in the company are fucking latino like it's it's nuts to see how that goes in wwe and it 
maybe speaks to some other cultural things about America and, and the way that we're turning more that, you know, more Latino. And, and it's, obviously it's been showing for a long time and companies have been smart to, to use luchador and Latino stars to, you know, actually draw for the past few years. And now WWE maybe finally seeing it a little bit more, um, you know, we'll see. And it is kind of like, damn, like AEW doesn't really have any Latino stars that are, you know, at this level. No, not at all. No, I mean, Sammy, not really. He doesn't even try to claim it. And he's not really, you know, he's like tries to claim Spaniard and all that and doesn't really present himself as Latino. And, you know, whatever, that's his thing. Um, they thought they were going to have Andrade. They got Roosh, I guess, and his whole group, but they don't push them as top acts, but they could if they were smart. And then you got it just like you said, just falling into WWE's lap, even though how terrible they are. But, but, that, but, that, but that's it with that. I was just like, wow, I don't I don't really know what the guy can't do at this point. <laughs> I know, I know. And he'll just continue. It seems like he's just going onward and upward. But I mean, that's how it goes, right? A lot of celebrities seem like they just, they can't fail and then something happens. But oh, yeah, we'll yeah. It was, we're just, for we're, him. Yeah, it was just like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, let's, yeah. uh, I guess let's, let's, talk, let's talk Dragon Gate, I guess. Let's, let's talk Dragon Gate. All right. But, I guess you say. I guess were you loving this show? What did you think? Um, there was things on it I, I, I liked. The main event, um, we'll talk about it. Is really really good. Like I love the I love the main event. Um, I love everything that like it had going it had going for it, and I like uh, I don't know, looking for looking like forward towards the future, but like I don't know, man. I'm looking at like the title matches here, and. I'm not really super into any of the other title matches and we can talk about them or break them down or however we want to do it. But like from the brave gate to the triangle gate to the twin gate, not nothing, nothing really was, was, was great here. And like dead or alive is a place where we've had like a lot of really good brave gate title matches. And it's not to say that, J- that Jason Lee versus dragon die was bad, but uh, on dead or alive, we've had, we've had like some, classic break like bravegate bangers on here and this was just like we didn't get anything from the from the from the other uh from the from the other titles on this card here at all in my opinion yeah um i liked the bravegate match i think it was early in the show and i was like you know still excited to to see something so that might be part of why i liked it a little bit more um or at least was more like excited about it um but yeah, I do think that part of it too is the shift. I mean, Dead or Alive not having the the cage match, not having the big cage match that we're all used to with the, um, oh god, I was the I can't even think of the the name of it, but you know the wagers. What do they call it? Apuestas. Uh, not having like the big Apuesta Apuestas cage match really changes the dynamic because historically, a lot of times the Brave Gate would be the biggest title match on the show because the open you know the Dream Gate match, um or the Dreamgate champion is involved in some way in the main event cage match, so not defending the title, or just not defending the title because the main event is going to be the cage match, so you don't you don't even just waste to open, you know, a Dreamgate match on the on the show. Um, so in the past, Brave the Brave Gate has been the the main title on the show and then got and as such gotten treated like that and was able to have like a banger on top of just having great wrestlers who were motivated to have bangers on a sh- on the show. So I do think that that does change it. Um, 
I think it does speak to something. And this is an interesting thing to even say about Dragon Gate because um, it probably almost doesn't make sense or people will be confused. But like you're you're now with the new the new big six, as I kind of mentioned with the, the title of the episode, we're kind of seeing the thing that people have been saying for years in American wrestling. Um, I think that a lot of times people reference like someone like uh, Seth Rollins in WWE being like, how do you have cruiserweights? junior heavyweights, whatever, who are supposed to do fast-paced, high-flying action when the main event heavyweight wrestles like that. And I do think that, like, you're kind of seeing that more in Dragon Gate with the new big six and someone like Shun and Kakuta here and the kind of match that they're having. Like, I don't know. How do you have a a junior heavyweight title and division when you have that kind of match in the main event at, with guys that size and the way that they wrestle? You know, You get what I'm saying there? Yeah, um, I think that stylistically, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a fan of I think the direct the, the direction that Dragon Gate has been training towards for the last few years because like honestly like if we're, really, if we're really going back to it the kind of change for this in style was kind of happening back when Ben K was champion and and really changing the pace and not going as long, not going 30, 35 minutes, 40, and kind of keeping things within like 20 to 25 minutes. And I think that's been a really welcome change and is like really re- like recognizing their strengths of the talent that they have now. Like what's the point of putting Ben K in a 30 plus minute match? If you know that Ben K isn't that type of worker, then don't put him out there like that. And I think they've been, they've been doing that really well with all their guys, whether it's, been, whether it's Kota Minora, Yoshioka, Kakuda, Shun, Benkei, uh, whoever else, that they, they that they've been really good about not like overexposing their guys. Um, yeah, and and like, said, like, and like maybe they do have like more that they could do, but the goal of a wrestling company is to like maximize your guys as best as possible. And I feel like with the changes that they've made to the style to like maybe not have as much dead time or dead air or like have as much uh i don't know like you know a lot, a lot, kind of like how like lifeless a lot of those like dream game matches could be in the past that they've done the necessary work to change it and i like it i just dragon gate can be really good sometimes and dragon gate can be awesome and i love dragon gate obviously like the, we talk about the roster and how talented everybody is and bringing up all these different new guys. And I just, this was just a card where nothing here was bad or like not good, but it really is a one match show, at least for me. Like even, like even down to, um, even down, even down to booking stuff, right? Like there's nothing ultimately from like, from, from a booking standpoint, that leaves me that leaves me really interested. Like we get Dragon Kid and Mara Fuji beating Yamato and, and Yoshioka. And maybe that leads to something else down the line. I don't know. But I but I'm but why but why am I interested in Namichi Mara Fuji and Dragon Kid winning a match that has, that has Yuki Yoshioka in it? Right. Yeah. Where's where do we go from there? And it doesn't really it doesn't feel like it builds anything and it feels like especially Yoshioka taking the pin there, I think is very odd um, because I mean, the only way that it makes sense. And I think, you know, 
is just like that he's phased down because he just had the big run with the dream gate and it's like okay he can take the loss because he's still got some heat on him from his title reign but it doesn't feel like it means anything and it just feels like you're just throwing away a loss for him because you think like he'll be okay and it's kind of like again yeah it's, it just goes to show how much of this show feels like afterthought and just kind of whatever status quo i mean especially after um that stardom show that we just reviewed where they changed every fucking title <laughs> to then see a show like this where like they only change the, the you know the Dreamgate championship in the main event and then all the other titles stay in the same stay the same spot you know what i mean um mm. it just like goes to show that like you said it's like one match one focus one big thing and everything else is like even matches that don't have a title like you just mentioned that you know that tag match like the win doesn't really seem like it's setting anything up and then everything else just stays status quo with the champions kind of getting token token defenses and that's it and then you get the main event which i mean the main event was a big to me was a big shock and a, and and good but i don't i don't love the booking if i'm being perfectly honest big picture like in the moment and everything else i like but i just don't know about how we got here but uh Either way, um, I will say that the opening match I liked, I would have liked it to have been longer. I Because as you talked about that, there wasn't a lot to sink your teeth into on this show. Pagatori and UT are always great together. And the stuff that they did in the opening tag match was a lot of fun. And then you add in, uh, you know, Jackie Kamei, who's tons of fun, and Nagano, who's, you know, really good for his thing. And it's like, yeah, this is a fun, sporty opener with some actually interesting stuff here. And you... Don't even give it 10 minutes, you know? And it's like, UT is insanely over. He's just back, hometown, all that stuff. Why not give this more time? Why not make this a bigger thing? Especially when, like I said, it's one of the more satisfying things on the fucking show. So, yeah. No, yeah, I, I definitely really enjoy this. And, like, honestly, like, maybe my second favorite match on the card, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that's my second favorite match on the card. But, right. like, Again, like it just you know, it's, it's dead or alive, man. You want? Like, I, I'm thinking. I'm looking for at least like something else and to like to, <laughs> to, to, to sink my to sink my teeth into here. So, uh, I thought that I thought that I thought that was I thought that was really solid too. Um, yeah. to your point about the booking in the main event, um, I guess we can just go ahead and go there. But oh, um, um before we do one more one more thought before we uh, unless I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying one more thought is is as you talked about it there with like how the Dreamgate matches have changed and the pacing and all that stuff. Um, it is good because it's the thing that people love to say constantly, but no one really ever does it or executes it. Well, is the like being the counter actually being the counter and not just trying to imitate and do the same thing as the dominant brand. And that is one thing that I'll give Dragon Gate, and you know, I, I throw my little barbs here and there, and it's not even necessarily that I dislike Dragon Gate. I just think, and it's funny because I've always been this, and we've talked about it in the Slack chat for years at this point. Like Dragon Gate weirdos, man. Like they're just, they just, they cannot just be honest about, like, <laughs> about this company. They just refuse to. And I don't dislike Dragon Gate, but I just like sometimes that, like, the fandom kind of drives me fucking crazy, and it's mostly the Western fandom, right? But the thing that Dragon Gate does is be the counter to New Japan. And they do that super well. And I have to 100% give them credit for that. Because every other fucking company feels like they have to copy the epic main event style of New Japan. And that's it. 
And Dragon Gate, and we talked about this a long time ago, and it's just continued to be true. Dragon Gate has not fallen into that trap, and they do offer a counter. They offer a clear-cut counter, and that's why I think it's easy to fall into that hole of the same thing that you know everyone does here, where it's like tribalism and you pick a side to be like, oh, well, I don't like the the big company, so you know the number two company can't do wrong and they're great and everything they do is perfect because they actually do something different. You know what I mean? And like, I, I will give them credit though. They do a good job of like, not just coming across like they're imitating the big company and they come off second rate. Dragon Gate picks its own thing and does its own thing and always really has and does not try to be like every other company in Japan. No, 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 they don't. And I'll, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned the Dragon Gate weirdos because I think because I'm not on Twitter as much as I used to be, I'm like avoiding how insufferable like the Dragon Gate weirdos like could be when they all band together and uh, and start doing and start doing their combined thing that makes uh, Dragon Gate uh, seem really insufferable to people that are on that are that are on the outside looking looking in there. But I do like the changes that they've made here. And it's like changes that like I've wanted Dragon Gate to make for a long time and changes I wish they made when T-Hawk and Aza, when T-Hawk and Aza were there. Like changes I wish that were made when Big R Shimizu was um still still had main event potential. Changes I wish that were made before, you know, when you uh, back when you back when UT was first starting. Like those are things that I wish happened back then, but didn't and like all I can be happy for is that uh, a group of guys here like you know like the Ben K's and the Kakudas and Shuns and Yoshioka and Kota Minora um are coming in are coming into something where they don't have to worry about that or don't have to deal with that you know as when he comes back um in Ishina as he as he develops and we'll see what happens with Kaito Nagano but like I'm I'm happy to find to see the the company evolve into a place because, like, man, if you go back and talk to us when we're talking about like 2016 or 2017 Dragon Gate, it's like, man, like, who would have thought that we even would have gotten to this point? That's true. <laughs> After the years of, you know, it's illegal for me to watch Dragon Gate, we're actually watching and reviewing the show again. Um, so there, there is that. Obviously, they've gotten to that point, and and a lot of the people. And that is the plus because a lot of the people that we were watching on those shows on the undercards or just coming up and stuff were like, okay, there's something there. These guys, these guys are interesting, but they're they're seeming like they're not going to get a chance. We've already got we've already gone through almost like a, a generation that feels like a failed generation of guys who just couldn't get over. Um, which I almost feel like that's like a play on the over generation thing, um, but it was not intentional. Um, that like it felt like oh, this is just going to be another group of young guys who disappear because they're again overbearing the the original big six and like they're just completely over overborne by them i I don't think that's the right way to say that um speaking of i've been hearing a lot of people say extremity recently um anyways moving on um um and like that they were just going to get overshadowed and they didn't and they're actually breaking through and becoming their own things and again we see it in the main event and and the booking and all that and i don't know do you want to start getting into that because you mentioned wanting to talk about the the main event and the booking i guess we can we can do that so we're talking main, talk main event now. Sure, let's. I mean, if you want to. Um, but uh, so Madoka Kakuda beats Shun Skywalker for the Open the Dreamgate title, and I really, really liked the match. I thought that 
this is a really awesome shooting performance. I thought he was super good here. Some 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 of his best heel work. I've loved this. Um, I thought Kakuda is only getting better and better as a as a as a babyface. In that, I really loved his selling and the finish down the stretch. Uh, makes Kakuda makes Kakuda look strong, but also keeps shooting looking like the top guy in the company. The fact that Kakuda had to hit three of his finishes in order for Shun to stay down. So I like that about this. And we'll see. I think this could, like, could be another uh, year where Shun plays into the title picture a lot, whether that's like being in like the King of Gate final or something like that, where like Shun, he's not going to just going to go back to the tag division. I don't think. And even if he does, like Shun is going to continue to be who he is, two-time two time Dream Gate champ by this point, and one of the best wrestlers in the world. So Shun will be fine, but I guess the more interesting part here is Kakuda. And two years ago, at, um, at, at Dead or Alive, uh, a Kakuda and Shun match got um, got abruptly ended on the fly because Kakuda took a drop uh, took a drop uh, drop toe hold and injured and injured his arm, injured his shoulder, and uh, that was a interesting thing at the time because one is these two young guys and you're hoping that you put them in a spot like that and they're gonna steal the show or do whatever and like the match gets cut short it goes like four or five minutes so it's a drop toe hold like you said at the beginning of the match and it just completely cuts that short so we don't really get we don't really get to see what Kakuda and Shun would have looked like at that point in time and now obviously alignments have changed uh Kakuda is now is now a babyface and was on in D Courage, Shun, Z Brats, obviously. So alignments have changed since then. And maybe for the better, honestly. I think that this match kind of changed changed for the better compared to what it would have been a couple of years ago because Shun is so comfortable as a heel. He's so expressive in the bot in the bot in the bodysuit and uh so like sneering and domineering even the, even to someone with Kakuda size and um it's really it's really vicious working on his arm especially down the stretch when he gets him in that snap Fujiwara and Kakuda's selling is great like might be bordering on a little too much to some people but I like I liked how he committed to it and he committed to it down the stretch he never wavered off of it and when he's getting down to the finish, he's just kind of like mustering through the pain. It feels like, and not just like dismissing the work that have been done that have been done to his arm. But I thought Kakuda was very, very good here. So I guess when we talk about him, it's not going to be a issue of whether Kakuda is like good or not. It's just kind of what's the plan here, and this we're, now the belt feels kind of like feels like it's getting passed around a bit. Yeah, that's kind of my my issue here is not even necessarily because I think as you talked about it there with Shun, I think weirdly, especially because this is only his second reign at um with the uh with the uh, the Dreamgate title. Um but he feels so established and so the top I mean, we talk about again the new big six, like I don't think that there's any doubt that Shun is the top of the new big six. Like he's been fully established there. He's proven it over and over again. Um, the quality that he's putting out, like obviously. So 
it does feel like I get the idea that that you could use him in this way as a transition between the you know the champ be, I mean stablemates really like the two new champions that you wanted to get over. Um, so I don't necessarily that's not even necessarily my issue that it feels like it's passed around because I get the I get the idea in that like Shun Shun can take a quick reign and not have it hurt him because he's already has the credibility comparatively to everyone around him. And it also helps because now it pads his numbers. Now he's a two-time champion. You know what I mean? Like, and you can continue to build that up. But my issue is just, I don't necessarily see, I didn't necessarily see why Yoshioka needed to drop the title when he did. It felt like his reign, honestly, there was still a lot left there. And especially if it was just, if he was just going to drop the title to then transfer over to this, I don't think it it needed to be, you know, like you could have waited, honestly, even a little bit longer and had Shun even have a shorter reign in between um, just to give Yoshioka a little bit longer with the title. I mean, I know that there isn't like a ton of big shows in between, but you could have, I don't know, you could have waited, you could have done it at a smaller show to have Shun win and then transfer over. You could, you know what I mean? Like you could have done, even though it is like very quick, I just thought like it didn't even need to be this long if this is all you were doing. And Yoshioka could have continued to build the rain a little bit more just, a, you know, because I just felt like he got cut off a little bit too soon and you could have built a little bit more. And that's like that's honestly my only issue is more coming out of this. Not that um, not even that I'm like worried that it feels like they're passing the title around, not even slightly worried about Shun. Because I do think, like I said, he's so established, but honestly, actually feeling more like Yoshioka comes across like a token, even though he had the title for a, a long time. And that it was like, he can just drop the title instantly to Shun so that then you can set up this where now it feels like Kakuda's the real guy. And there's so much to the Kakuda thing, especially with them being in the same stable and especially with the story of, oh, he's the youngest champion. Oh, he's the quickest to ever win the title. Oh, all of that at rest. That now it feels like, yeah, like Yoshioka was not established enough and coming out of this, it almost feels like his championship was a fluke and Kakuda is really the next big star, the next big baby face. Um, and Shun is obviously super established as the big heel coming out of this. Um, and and to what you talked about with the selling, I will say that like almost any other situation, I don't think you can pull it off, but Shun, because Shun comes across almost like a comic book villain, and because of the way that he was so vicious going after the shoulder. And I hate when Jay calls him the, you know, the skywalking psychopath. I just, I think that that nickname sucks. My main reason is just because his name is Skywalker. And I just feel like you're, you're, it's that redundant Joe, you know, the Samoan submission machine, Samoa Joe. Um, when you're just hitting some, you're just hitting the same thing too much. It just doesn't work for me. Um, but, you know, because of that gimmick and because of that character, like you can do something like this and you can go over the top and a little bit cornball. And I do think that in the context of who it is, it makes sense. And as you said, um, Kakuta, or I guess it's Kikuta, um, committed to it so much that in the moment it it felt right and was like executed superbly. But I think I hit a lot there and I don't know if you want to respond to anything. No, I'm definitely, I'm definitely agreeing there, especially but but one, I, I don't know why, you're like a glutton for punishment, because I just avoid English commentary at all times, 
because I feel like things like that are just going to annoy me. That's fair. That's fair. So I annoy. I, so I just avoid all English commentary. But um, I think with your your point about Shun, like how like kind of cartoonish she can be as as a heel, definitely helps because because Kakuda was him was hamming it up a lot with the selling. You know, I liked his commitment to it and how much he was leaning into it. But I could see someone thinking it was overly theatrical or a little or a little, or a little bit too much. But I think it balances out. And like works better because Shun as a heel is doing the exact same thing. So I so I agree with you there, and I uh, was uh I, I agree with that observation. And the point about Yuki Yoshioka here, I yeah I I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Being more of the issue than um than the fact of the title getting passed around because like Shun's only defense. Successful defense was against super strong, super strong machine J, and if that's the case, then I don't know. Like the rain, like his, yeah, like you could have added more days for Yuki's and taken less off of shoes. Yeah, especially if it was just gonna be that one defense. So I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely in agreement there that I think it's less about the fact that the title's been passed around, been, been passed around a bit. And more, you could have been doing more to like build Yuki up. Like, it's great that Yuki had the story of being Dia Inferno and everything like that. Like, that was a that was that was a good time unmasking and getting and reclaim and reclaiming his spot on the roster. Like, I it it was it's good. I liked it. And Yuki went on to have really good matches. I think Yuki's great, but there could have been more in the way of like giving him a longer reign. So like. He felt how he to make sure he feels more important. So I yeah. think I think that's fair. Yeah, I think I think that he just gets overshadowed by these two coming out of this feeling like yeah, like th- this is the new big thing. Um, is you know the rival being and then these two. Um, that said, I mean, okay, the shoulder thing, the shoulder thing feels like a a you know textbook trademark Quentin kind of thing. Like I definitely get that you would like it and. You know, with the limb selling and and the the debate that has recently come up and all this and that, I was uh I was messaging Chad, hopefully another future hopeful guest of the podcast, something he on one of his podcasts he said something about like a you know arm selling and this and that. And I was like, Oh, you're canceled for saying arm selling is good or whatever, because that was recently the big debate, right? Like, what's the point of all this? Um, and for the most part, I'm like on the side of liking it, but the shoulder thing to me in this context really felt I don't know. Like, I feel like it's a little bit. Feel forced. It feels a little bit forced because it's like, oh, we're referencing our past match with each other, but not really necessarily like a history of shoulder injuries for Kikuta. But but I guess that there is that right because there is the like when you when something pops out of socket, then it's likely to happen again. Right. Does have yeah, but this but you're right. Like this isn't a thing where like, um. It's, it's purely referencing an event that happened to you that happened two years ago. It's not referencing yes. like chronic like shoulder issues or lingering injuries and things like that. Which like still you could justify like she was like, oh, I know this thing. You were hurt a couple years ago in a match in a match of ours. That's a weakness. I'll go after it. Sure, but like it can feel a little forced when conveniently you just want to bring this injury back up. Like right. not that it doesn't not that it doesn't matter. But when you're making it the whole narrative point of a match that only went on for four, about for about four or five minutes, it's like, hmm, okay, all right, like it's convenient that you're, that you're bringing this up again. 
So I I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. And I'm not even saying that I think it's bad, but I do just think like, again, it, it, it falls into the, into that category of like, you know, it could be seen as, yeah, like a little bit forced, a little bit ham fisted. And again, you're, you don't, he doesn't do this kind of arm thing in every match. He doesn't sell like this. Like it's a weakness all the time. It's just this one time because it's a specific reference to the match between these two that happened two years ago. And I'm with you and it does, you can play into it in that it's Skywalker specifically being a dick who would do something like this because he knows that he hurt him before and he's going for it again. Um, but okay. The other side of it, you want to talk about force. You want to talk about, you know, someone playing, playing smart um, in the match in a similar or not in a similar way, but in the same kind of regard, giving the fans what they want and, and doing it. Do you think that Kikuta intentionally uh, tucked part of his tights into his cheek there to give everybody a little bit extra hip hop show for the match? Cause uh, that felt a little, a little on the nose. The guy's winning the title and he gives everyone like a three quarter cheek show off in the middle of the match um, when he's the, well known for his ample posterior. I mean, I mean, look, when, when, when the audience doesn't know that they're really, but they're, they're, they're about to see the title change, you gotta, so you gotta <laughs> do everything you can to send them home happy. Yeah, give them give them what they want. Make it make it more memorable. I, honestly, make it more memorable. Like you know, like everyone's <laughs> gonna pop. Everyone's gonna pop for a title switch. And like, why not do it? Why not do what you can make it, make it even more memorable? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But <laughs> uh, but yeah, what do you think about? Okay, this is one thing that crossed my mind, and I will give the the shout out to the open the voice gate boys because I don't think they did this intentionally, but they were they were talking about kind of everyone's spot and and where they belong and and the the the. Uh, kind of the the classes and the generations and all this and one person that they brought up and like where does he fit in and they had different feelings was big uh big arshimizu um the big boss i don't even know i'm like trying to remember what they call him now i think they mostly they just call him Sh- uh shimizu i don't even know what what name he goes by primarily i guess they call him the big boss big boss shimizu um and one thing that crossed my mind just referencing where he's at this and that. And we talked about, you know, the past 10 years and the, and the history and all this Um, big boss, kind of the thing that should have made him big Arshimizu, the thing that felt like it was going to be, you know, what established him and moved him forward and made him like a thing was his rivalry with Shingo. Right. And it felt like, because if you remember when he was first kind of getting established as his own thing, his rivalry with Shingo was like really cool and he couldn't beat Shingo. And eventually it was like, he's going to beat him and it's going to be a big deal. And then kind of nothing ever happened from it. And then you turn around and you look at Kikuta and everyone kind of like thought this guy's got something, but it felt like that switch flipped after the tag match that had Shingo in it. And do you think, do you remember the big R and Shingo rivalry feud thing yes okay do you think that Tikuta and Shingo was better <laughs> or do you think it's just like a clear obvious like changing of the guard when it came to booking philosophy because it felt like they could have done this exact same thing with Big R and they didn't but they just pulled the, the trigger with with Kikuta and actually made something of it uh yeah, basically because like, like it's never it's never been a talent issue with Big R like like Kakuda I think he's like he's very very good right now and he can become like a great wrestler, but Big R Shimizu has had years where like 
you could argue he's like he's run, he's one of the best wrestlers in the world, and I don't think you'd sound crazy. Um, so he's definitely like even honestly even more so than T Hawk, right? Because yeah. I I think I think like just constantly watching Big R like be put in a goofy gimmick, then come out of it, get pushed, get like a Dreamgate number one contender shot, or get a Dreamgate shot, and like still lose, I'm like. Man, like, how many different times is this going to happen where this guy like makes the dumb gimmick work, and he's st- and, and he's st- and he still isn't given any 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 sort of any sort of reign there? So, like, I definitely think that like Big R took his lumps so someone like Kakuda can thrive. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> because like, if we were in a different time, in a different booking regime, or if like Big R was coming up now, I don't think Big R would, would face the same would face the same problems. I don't, I don't, I don't think he would. I think that Kakuda definitely gets the gets the benefit from the fact that she's, like Shimizu went through this already, and they're not into they're not in a position to waste time or buy time with their guys anymore. They realize what they have to do and have some, and have some urgency behind it. But back then with Big R, they didn't have that, and all I can sit there and be happy that they feel that with Kakuda because. Now we see where Big R is, where he's a really good worker. He's gonna be on the Dragon Gate roster for I guess as long as he wants to be and continue to be one of the consistent, most consistent, solid guys on the roster, a really reliable guy that you can do anything with. But they just decided that he they didn't want him anywhere near that near yeah. that belt. Yeah, but I mean, he's a guy that they can heat up as a challenger in a second, right? Like exactly. Any- yeah, at any point they can just boom quickly, and he can be a challenger, and you can believe it. And it's just crazy to watch. And you talk about the bad gimmicks, but fuck, man, doing Ultimo Dragon cosplay, and he made that work. Like, come on. Like the, again, you talked about it. he's fucking just a very phenomenal wrestler who just doesn't get it. But I thought about that because it was like, yeah, the whole like, oh yeah, you know, the Shingo match, the Shingo tag match seemed like after that, that was when like it really just changed, and and this the switch flipped and. It's very funny to 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 say that about Kikuda and then like turn around and be like, did the switch flip or was it just like, hey, after this, we're pushing you to the title, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, that was really what it was. It was not, you know, being in the match with Shingo, which I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe being in the match with Shingo really fucking turned it on. Or maybe they were like, he's getting over. D-Courage is, is really popular. We're going to put you in this place, especially intentionally just to shine you up and then after this we're off to the races because that's to me that feels more like what happened right mm. like it was intentional since then that this is where they were going it's a, it, i think i think that i think that's i think that's true too i think even then like i'm not sure what i would have expected him to win the dream game so soon right um like, like, okay. I, would, I wouldn't have put it past them to do it at some point during this year but yeah, I definitely wouldn't have wouldn't have expected it to come so soon. <laughs> All right. Well, um, again, I guess I I don't know if we're, if you reviewed the match as much as you wanted to there or, or oh no anything else you wanted to say about that? Oh no, I think we got we got all of our match thoughts out the way. And um, the booking. Yeah. yeah. So you know, King of King of Gates coming up. So we'll see how this winds up shaking shaking uh, shaking down. Uh, heading in, heading into Kobe World in a couple of months. Um, you know, like there's a bunch of there's a, there's a few directions it could go. Um, 
I wonder if Kakuda is still going to be champion heading into Kobe World. Like, I'm not sure if he has a defense, he's going to have a defense in between them. But we've seen Dragon Gate kind of change course a couple of times, like leading into Kobe World and and having title switches. So I'll be curious if Kakuda is champ heading into Kobe, Kobe World. But, you know, if whatever it could be, if it's like a decourage match between Yuki and, uh, between Yuki and Kakuda, if they're going to do Kota Minora in, uh, in Kakuda, if you want to go like, you know, go ahead with one of the veterans instead and you want to do, and you want to do like Yamato or Doi or whatever in, in, in one of, in one of these spots, then I'm not mad at that. I'm just, I'm just very curious as to like what the plan is right now for Kobe world. But I guess we'll see as like King of Gate, uh, King of Gate sh- uh, shakes out. But I think I think we got all of our thoughts out regarding that. Yeah, it is interesting because it is kind of like what, where do you go for Kobe World coming out of this? But I guess you've got King of King of Gate to kind of build that and tell that story. But right now, I don't. It looks wide open and it looks interesting because it is. You do think like, okay, you want maybe a strong draw as the challenger if Tikuda is the champion going into the into the show. But I don't know. Like you said, I don't know if that'll be it. They could definitely switch things up last minute. And, but they don't really have those established stars to go to. So I think they got to go with it and then hopefully put him against someone as the challenger. And and I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the Twin Gate uh, match beforehand, I talked about that none of the titles changed hands. Um and I really going into this would have assumed that they would have just because that's kind of the nice thing about having the titles on an outsider group with the Congo uh, champions is that you basically expect that any big defense that they could drop the titles because, you know, you want to get the belts off of the outside outside guys at any point. Um, match was solid. You know, the one thing and, you know, it's I, I, I'm not even being disrespectful, but it is funny because it does feel like at this point, you know, there's a lot of good wrestlers in Dragon Gate. And we talked about the roster is solid, but hearing the Dragon Gate fans who are like, you know, Keno should be full time in Dragon Gate, whatever. It's like, OK, you guys see a good wrestler and you just are like so fucking enamored that you want him in your company. Um, it just goes to show. But like Keno is so fucking good. Talked about it when he was in DDT, like how good. He looked in there and how good he looks in Dragon Gate. Like he stands out because of just he's really fucking good. And that's why everyone wants him. And it's just like, yeah, it's not it's not necessarily that like, oh, he's just he really fits into Dragon Gate. It's like, no, no, no. Keno is just fucking sick. He's a really kick ass wrestler. Um, I don't see it in Ishan and people are getting excited about him, but I just don't. I, I really just don't. But I don't know. What did you think about the, the Twin Gate match? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wasn't super into it. I think Kano is 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 fun, and you can like kind of plug him in anywhere. So I like the stuff between him and Ishin and Kai and, and stuff with Kai. I thought was solid, but no, I didn't have much thoughts on it here. It just kind of goes to the point where the the other title matches didn't really hold up the end of the bargain here. At least I mean, not, not that they were bad, it just yeah. like didn't hold up what what they, what they were supposed to. Yeah, definitely. I I have to agree with that. Um, this there's a, it's a bigger segment, but the uh, Dragon Kid Marafuji versus Yamato and and uh, Yoshioka tag team match, and then that leads into the the post match stuff with 
Ishikawa. Um, I don't know what you mentioned, you know, the, 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 the kind of the finish and the booking, not making any sense. And it kind of doesn't. Um, and I agree with you on that. I, I agreed with you on that, but what did you think of the actual match itself? I thought the, I thought the chemistry was pretty, was pretty good. I didn't like, it wasn't like the best Marafuji, but I did like seeing the Marafuji and Yamato, and Yamato interaction. I liked how, uh, Marafuji and Yoshi, Yoshioka interacted. And the main thing with Yoshioka here is like, you don't want him to feel out of place. Like you don't want him like anything where he comes across as being out of place, being in the ring with those three guys. And like, I don't think he felt that way, but still when we, when we get to the finishing stretch here and it's not only is it the Dragon Kid and Marafuji team winning, but like Yoshioka taking the fall is just makes the rest of the content of the, uh, uh, makes the rest of the content of the match a little hollow. But like otherwise, I thought, I thought it was I thought it was solid, and I don't I didn't feel like Yoshioka was getting like uh young boyed or dismissed throughout it. Like he felt like he was right there with those guys, and then he just happened to be, he happened to be the happened to be the one that took the fall. It's there's a very interesting dynamic in this match, just because of you've got these older guys, and you can see these different levels of of where they're at at this point in their career. Um, Dragon Kid obviously doesn't look like he's aged a day in the past fucking like 15 years, basically. Um, Yamato has like slowed down, but in a way that like he adds the personality and makes it so you don't even notice it in a lot of ways. And then Marafu, I mean, over the years, and I've like I've gone on record kind of saying that I think Go is the has is the better kind of a Masawa you know, tribute, disciple, whatever, uh, out of all the guys who kind of try to be Masala. Um, but, you know, after years of of Marafuji feeling like he lives in the shadow of Masala and all of that, like he finally has outdone Masala in one way, which is that um, he's even more broken down as an old man than Masala ever was. Um, so I have to give him credit for that. Uh, he finally outdid his, uh, his senpai in one way, which is this guy, I mean... Jesus Christ, like, I'm sorry, but, like, comparatively, Masawa can, or Marafuji can barely move, it seems like. Like, the guy is just, I mean, obviously, he he rode it hard, but, like, god damn, he's so broken down. It's tough to watch sometimes. Um, this was not the worst of the worst, as you said with him, and but it's not like uh, like the, the Kingston match where, like, Eddie just really was able to get something out of him, even though he was, like, barely moving. But, yeah, it's just, it's painful to watch Marafuji at this point, and, and, like you said, Yoshioka, uh, Yoshioka looked right in there and didn't seem out of place and wasn't big, wasn't you know big dogged or anything like that and didn't like shrink and 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 stood up stood up to everyone here as even like Marafuji and didn't come across like a like you know he's the young boy or anything like that which is you gotta you gotta see from someone like this but in this setting it is like he's been the champion in this company and he needs to carry himself that way and he did a good job of it here. Um, Post-match stuff with Stalker. I don't have much thoughts about, like, the actual thing, but I do want to, like, mention that, like, Stalker, I heard someone at some point, and I can't say where, but someone being like, I don't like comedy wrestling, but I just like Stalker or whatever. I think he's the only good comedy wrestler, this and that. And I'm just kind of like, people love to fucking say that about every comedy wrestler. And it's like, you just, you think you don't like comedy wrestling, but then every time you see a comedy wrestling match, you like it. So just accept that you like comedy wrestling. Like the people who try to be too serious 
about this shit need to accept that like they actually like it they just like to tell themselves that they don't um but what did you think about the mara fuji and stalker interaction it's, it's just it's just like every every it's just like every type of match like right you're not gonna like every single wrestling match you see and then there's gonna be something that you enjoy like comedy might might not be your first choice of a match to watch which is fine but like yeah, like more often than not people you're, you're gonna like a comedy match like just from and obviously stalker is one of the greats of doing of yes. doing this of doing this thing and like everyone's brand of comedy isn't the same like i'm not you know like in stitches watching Danshoko dino matches you know like, like 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 i'm not really just that head over heels for, head, head over heels for them but like kikutaro or some old chuck taylor stuff or things like or things like that like yeah that's like really really funny or like some other some some other other acts that are coming to my coming to my mind right now or even just like other like goofier acts in dragon gate like yeah. why she like make me laugh and get a laugh and get a laugh out of me so uh i gotta feel like people have like just like how there's variety in like fucking um whatever other type of wrestling there's variety when it comes to comedy and like a certain person's comedy just might not be your thing and like you don't like Dino or whatever the DDT brand of comedy is, if you want to like lump all DDT comedy into being Dino, which is what I feel like people do. I feel like people lump like all of like DDT comedy into yeah. being like this is where they like show ass in like where Dino like like imitates performing fellatio or some shit, right? Where it's like way more than that. It's like Harada. It's like it's like Harada doing do, uh, do, doing his doing his doing his dance or like. Things like that. There's just like way more going on than just like Dino being a pervert. So yeah, I mean Antonio Honda's entire thing, the the street wrestling stuff, like the 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 yeah. events that we reviewed with um Abby doing fucking Stan Hansen cosplay. You know what I mean? Like yeah, there's tons know, of different comedy stuff. Yeah, yeah so I, I feel like because like I feel like it gets boiled down to the uh, to uh, to uh, to to to, to, to Fairmont, but um. Yoshihiko in in, right. in Dino basically, yeah. Which to be fair, I mean, pheromones is not comedy wrestling. Pheromones is sexy wrestling, and people need to <laughs> understand the difference. Which actually, speaking of, I wanted to bring it up, but but uh, did you see the the uh, Hino versus uh, Lino Hino match? Um, no, I did not for the title. Well, they 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 uh, build it that Eno would not be sexy but midway through he he turned sexy so just spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the match but they uh they build it that he was going to be serious and not be sexy in the match but by the end of it he was he was sexy but he knows still won so sexy did not work um but yeah it was it was definitely it was solid like do you remember when when it used to be that like every couple of years you were good for like a, a dino title challenge that would be like actually really fun uh, it was like kind of like yeah, that. It was like yeah, 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 yeah man. Like yeah, there was a, there was a point in time where like fucking the Shuji Shikawa match or the Takashita match, things like that. Like, yes. Oh man, like this is like the one good Dino match a year. Here we go. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It was it was basically that, but with uh, with you know. Um, but either way, um, what do we got? Uh, Dragon Kid. Oh, we talked about that. Gold Class versus Natural Vibes. I mean, you know, solid. Did it did what it had to do? Triangle Gate match. I don't know what. How are you feeling about Gold Class? Are you shaky on Kota Minora? You know, no, are you I, as shaky as me? 
What do you think? I I, I really like, I really like Kota Monora. I'm just I'm just not really sure about how they, about who they have him paired with currently. Sure. Like I've seen him be really really good in in a lot in like a bunch of different like tags and trio settings. I've been, seen him be very good in single stuff. So like I don't I'm I'm not questioning Kota and like what he could be and like what his ceiling is. I just feel like there's probably like better pairings for him right now. I'm not sure like gold class like is like the best fit for him. It's gold class is so weird because it feels like it just fluctuates so hard from being hot and cold. Like Ben K and Minarita feel like insanely hot at times when they turn it up. But I think adding BB Hulk really to me, honestly really hurt the vibe of gold class quite a bit just does not to me doesn't really fit oh, with the vibe. Uh, yeah I, I, honestly like bb hulk kind of like single-handedly like changed just, everything yeah. about about it just completely zonked this fucking group of any fucking like cool factor and just like yeah i just didn't need that Kota menorah again i just like you said solid or has had a lot of great performances but just kind of it's just where what have you done for me late in the situation where it's just like Every time I see Coda, I'm just I'm it depends on the performance. If Menorah gives me a good performance that night, great. And then if it gives me a bad performance that night, where the fuck are you at? You suck. Um again, natural vibes, we talked about it, but this natural vibes this trio specifically, you know, big R, KZ, Strong Machine J, perfect. Like these guys knock it out of the park every fucking time. And it's weird because it's it is like Okay, natural vibes is perfect, but does it feel like people are squandering their potential because of being in this group that's not presented as serious as it could be? You know, because everyone in here, Casey is the same as Big R, like someone who could be the champion, could be at the top of the card, phenomenal worker, but in the context of of natural vibes, is not really treated like, you know, a serious act who could be a you know a Dreamgate champion. So, like, I don't know. Where do you come down on these groups? And and maybe, like, the stables needing a major switch or even, like, just a, a huge shakeup in general. Like, they like to do unit disband match and then, like, one unit breaks up. But then it, it feels like you don't really get... You don't get enough freshening up off of just one unit disbanding and then, like, a couple guys moving here and there and then some other people grouping. Like, it really does feel like... Like Dragon Gate needs like a a hard reset with a lot of like multiple units disbanding and reforming. What do I you think, what do you I, think about that? I feel like I feel like I like Decourage a lot. Um and uh I was really I was really in I was really in the masquerade. So, yeah. so like so like they so they've hit on on some on some of these groups. And I think just currently the way that things are aligned, like you have like you you have these guys that you have like you want to build you want to keep building up and have these visions for like Kota Minora hasn't won the Dream Gate yet but like he's gotten shots been in um been in the King of Gate final like this is a guy where you clearly have like plans for him right I just don't think Gold Class and the way it's currently constructed is the way to like is like the best vehicle for him. And then here the other problem is that now you have Kakuda and um and Yoshi and Yoshioka, which may not really be a problem. We've seen guys like get pushed and be champions while there's another like main guy 
in the in the uh, in the in the same unit as them. So like that's not really that big of an issue. But I just feel like we're missing certain people. We're missing got we're like I feel like certain people have been heels for a long time, and it can maybe be time to change alignments. Like I feel like someone like Yo, Yo is a very 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 good and serviceable heel. Might be time to change it and like do something different and have him and have him work with like someone like Minora or someone else and like a tag team or a six or, or be part of a trios team. Um, I think that having Minora go out there with like Ben K and BB Hulk aren't like people that are like super complimentary of his style at this point in time. And like, all you really want to do is go out there and like have memorable matches and do your job and get more over. And I'm not sure that like having those two with you as your partners is like really making the most out of like Kota Minora and what he's and what he's good at, what he's best at. So I don't know. Like they're they're good on heels. Like they have Ishin and they have and they have and they have Shun. So they're like good on heels in terms of like their like main young guys. SBK when he comes back, we'll see what we'll see what's done with him. You can only assume he's gonna be a heel. But yeah, they I, I think that like between like natural vibes, gold class, like there has to be like a little bit of shaking up going on. Yeah. Why? Well, I, I mean, you also got M3K, which feels like it's not long for this long for this earth, really. Um, just because of your it's kind of feels like a unit that was set up just to tell a story. Um, so yeah, you've got like three units that could really break up or switch around or do whatever you want with them at any moment. And then you've got Zebrats and Zebrats is the only real full unit that feels like good at where it's at. And then you mentioned Decourage and I agree with you, but Decourage is three members, right? So it's kind of like Decourage needs more members and you don't really have anybody who makes sense joining. So yeah, a big shakeup I think would be necessary to kind of move forward here. And you've got plenty of people that are ready for freshening up. And I just... I thought that this, you know, the Triangle Gate match here was a good place to talk about it because you've got two units going up against each other who are like just incredibly, I mean, not even just stale, but do feel kind of stale, but also feel like not in the right spot. Because I would say Natural Vibes is a perfect unit if if they were willing to just present them more serious. Like, I don't even think they need to change anything. Like, I think that you can continue to have the same group do all the same stuff and just be willing to say that they're a main event act. And you're fine, but they just, they don't want to, it seems like they're, they don't want to present them as a main event act. Um, so either way, um, underneath that Doi and Ultimo Dragon versus Zebrats. I love Doi, but like this is, it's really fucking, it's really getting annoying to me that Doi is giving his, his worst work in Dragon Gate when he's supposed to be the special freelancer. And a big part of it is just what we're talking about that. Dragon Gate is built around faction warfare and being in units and all this. And because of the way that Doi is presented right now, he's not really being presented as part of a unit. And and I think that that would help a lot because him just tagging with fucking Ultimo does not just being here is not really doing anything special. Um, And this match felt like most of the whole point of it was just setting up this like mask stuff between Diamante and Ultimo. Um, and I don't really know where they're going with this. A lot of people seem to think that this definitely means Diamante is going to take his mask off, but I don't necessarily think that that's where this is going. I don't think that this is leading to anything. Um, what did you think about the match and and overall what I'm saying? No thoughts on the match. Honestly, it's just kind of there. But I don't think no, I don't. I don't think Diam. I don't think Diamante is 
this leading to a mass thing for him. I don't I don't think yeah. so. Yeah, me neither. I don't think that I think that people are reading way too much into it if they think that this is like means anything between drag between Ultimo and Diamante. I think Ultimo would lose his mask for a lot of money. I think that he's he's smart enough, even if he is, you know, not truly a luchador. I think he's spent enough time in Mexico that he knows how it works. So if if he if Ultimo ever drops the mask, it'll be for a lot of money. And I think that it would be worth a lot of money in the right context, but I don't necessarily know if that context exists anymore. Um if it, if it was like if it was like Shun Skywalker versus Ultimo, then maybe maybe then maybe you have something. Sure. But not well, I was I, just I, thinking like oh go ahead. Like but like I was but like yeah but either way I don't, I don't think this is a this is a vehicle to get Diamante to take his mask off. But even if it was like I feel like something like that would also be better served like doing it with like Shun. Yeah. Oh yeah no definitely that'd be a better story. Um I was thinking more like in actual lucha in Mexico. And Ultimo Dragon dropping his mask in AAA or CMLL, really. But I just can't think of how that would happen. You know what I mean? But if CMLL could get Ultimo to come in and drop his mask to like Atlantis Jr. or something, and he gets a ton of money for it, I think that they would love to do something like that, right? But I just, I don't think, I don't think it'll happen. Is there anybody in Mexico right now who's like collecting masks? Is there anyone who's like actually won masks? Um, not currently there's not, not like really a big, right yeah there's not like a big like kind of like mask collector guy that's like that's yeah. just going on right now if there was somebody like ultimo i could see him dropping it for a lot of money before he retires to somebody but other than that i just don't think it happening and i don't see a point to diamante dropping it um dragon lee or jason lee versus dragon daya um you didn't love this I I won't say I maybe I think I like it slightly more than you. I think that a lot of people would probably have this as their number two match of the of the night. Um, I think Jason Lee is interesting, but gets more credit than he deserves. I think Dragon Daya is kind of underappreciated in Dragon Gate. I think is which is weird. Um, I think that he does some insane shit that would get really over in basically any other company, and just does not get the attention that he deserves here. And uh, I think I tweeted something that was like, could you switch uh, Dragon Daya and Okatani and have no one notice? And it was just because they both have red hair um, was kind of just the joke there. But like, yeah, if, if I think if Dragon Daya showed up anywhere else and did like the, you know, the commander versus Vikingo match in another company, people would lose their fucking mind and he would be like, you know, a, a huge star just like those two. Um, and unfortunately in Dragon Gate, people just, don't notice the shit that he does, which is fucking nuts. Um, you know, that reptilian move, his finisher is crazy. Like that is a, you know, that's a big time gif move. It was happening in GCW, but in Dragon Gate, no one notices it. But that said, this match was like a lot of spots and, you know, not a great story or much else to it and relatively quick. And like you were saying, wanting something special from this, you don't really get anything special here. Um, and part of that is, I think that Jason Lee just is not dynamic. I again, like I said, I think people are kind of go crazy for him. Like there's something special there, but I don't, I don't connect to him. I don't see the emotion drama. I don't really get anything out of him. Um, so that's kind of, I think where, where he loses me is that like other people maybe think like he executes some moves really good here. And maybe if you like his selling, then you'll get into it. But I just don't, I don't connect. Um, but I don't know if you have any thoughts. Uh, no, I'm really big on Jason Lee. Like, not as like a big 
potential main event guy, but I always really liked him since he's, since he's coming to the company. So this is one of those weird times where he's let me down though. So like maybe uh, you're, you're proven right in this instance. Uh, I, I echo the same sentiments about Dragon Daya. And if like certain people saw him or he, if he were given like, given like certain levels of exposure or a platform, he could blow up the same way that we saw um, some of some of the Lucha guys have in, in, uh, for the last, for the last couple of years. But yeah, I'm 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 actually one of those people that are like super high on Jason Lee, but I think that this wasn't one of his better nights. Yeah, I mean, I'm willing to accept if I'm wrong at some point, but I don't know. I've just I've just I've tried really hard, and I think there's some stuff that I've liked from him, which is like when he's doing more like big bruiser kind of stuff. I think that he's actually pretty good at like he threw an elbow in one match that I was like this is the best elbow I've seen since like Chris hero basically. But like, other than that, like I just, again, it's the emotion thing. I just don't connect to him. Um, but you know, I could be proven wrong and we'll go from there. Eight man tag M3K versus Don Fuji, uh, Minorita, Mondo Rio. And, uh, I don't even know who is it? Takahashi Yoshida. I don't even know. I, I feel like i definitely know who that is, but I can't even, I'm just reading a name Cyber on the paper at this point. What's up? Oh, it's Cyber I'm... Kong. Yes, 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 yes. I forget about this motherfucker. Um, I got nothing to say about this match. Obviously, no, this, this, I can't this, this, half this, the this, people this, in it. This existed. Yeah. Me, me, um, me, it, uh, me, 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 Jr. Both cool. I like, I like, I like watching them. They're, they're, I like them. they're, they're, yeah. they're getting there. Yeah. Uh, and then the opening match we already talked about. Ut. It's a fucking shame. <laughs> That should be the challenger at Kobe World. Anyways, um, you know, any other thoughts? Like, yeah, I mean, that's the big takeaway from here. Where the fuck do we go from here with with Kikuda as the champion? Where do we go for the Kobe World main event? This mat, this show doesn't feel like it sets you up for anything. You come out of this mat, you come out of this show, and I just feel like I have no fucking idea where they go next. But uh, what are your final thoughts on on the show and everything in general? Uh, it was a fine show. Gets really gets carried by a great main event. And yeah, just leads you leads you with more questions and answers, which sometimes can be a good thing. Uh, I'll reserve my judgment for that as King of Gate goes on and we get closer to Kobe World. But you definitely leave this show with more questions, and I'm very curious to see like what the response is to some of those questions that I have. Yeah, I am. I'm with you on that. Um... I don't know if we have anything else to talk about before we go. I don't think so. I think we could just head out. Um, yeah, we, oh, yeah, we a, can. Yeah, we can go. Just let me go wallow in my pain and despair that the Celtics just got blown out. Uh, that's that's fucking terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of terrible stuff going on, but I guess Quentin, feel free to uh to close it out for the evening. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at. QT underscore Moody. You can follow Tim at ROH Dutch. You can follow the podcast network at WDKWPN. If you're feeling so kind, you can donate to us on coffee and fund my trip to go yell in the Boston Celtics locker room. Uh, I just want to go yell at Joe Mazzola for as long as my heart uh, But that's it for us. Thanks you all for listening. Hope you're next time. Bye.